Support for Houston Restaurant News Today comes from DR Delicacy. Give food lovers in your life the ingredients of their dreams for the holidays. DR Delicacy offers fine gourmet products from around the world, including fresh truffles, caviar, fresh and dried mushrooms, fine cuts of meat, and much more. DR Delicacy is in Houston, but also offers online ordering and shipping across the nation. Visit drdelicacy.com for details and to order, or if you're local to Houston, visit the storefront at 4120 Directors Row from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m weekdays or on Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. This is Houston Restaurant News Today from HoustonFoodFinder.com. This week, editor and publisher Phaedra Cook speaks with Chris Shepard about his evolving businesses, restaurants, and bars. Now, let's join the conversation. Hi, Chris. Hi, Phaedra. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I cannot complain. <laughs> busy. Not I know I know you're busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Great. Well, thanks for taking some of the time out of your very busy schedule to talk with me and tell our readers about the many irons that you have in the fire. I've been very proud to have known you for a long time, ever since your, your days at Catalan. And I know not just me, but a lot of diners in Houston, we've gotten the, we've had the privilege to witness your evolution as a chef working for someone else to a chef opening his first restaurant to starting a foundation to starting multiple restaurants being a cookbook author so i wanted to ask you what have the challenges been of that journey i mean every day poses its own challenges right and that's that's the thing it's but you know, I, I think that it's just the same evolution for everybody as they grow, right? And that's always the hardest thing is like understanding where you're you're going next, and if you want to, that's the thing. It's like taking that step because I, th- I think as a cook, you know, it was okay. Well, now I'm a sous chef, and now I have to, you know, be in charge of things. And then it became the chef, and then it became the owner, and that's the, you know, how how do how do we progress even further at this point? You know into the business part of the deal. And, and I think that all came about when, you know, at Brennan's and then going to Catalan and then opening up Underbelly. And then it was funny because Lindsay and I were talking about it and she was like, at some point, because all of our friends around the country are like, I don't work service anymore. And it's like, how do you do that? You just, at some point it has to happen. And, you know, I know when I went to Lindsay with this crazy idea of one fifth that the answer was going to be no, we just literally had this conversation of like, how do you spend more time at home? And, then it was like, let's open another restaurant. And it's like, yes, <laughs> all right, we're going to do this. But then it was also understanding at a certain point that running from middle of service at one restaurant to go to the other one and then, you know, changing chef coats and then running back and forth and back and forth. And at some point it was like, I can't do this. It just we need to put people in their place, you know, into a place, you know, and actually have CDCs and understanding that I can't be everywhere at one time. And that was really hard at the beginning really, really hard, but it gave me the opportunity to see things in a different vision and gave me the opportunity to start to mold and train people better and give them the opportunities that I had, you know, kind of growing up and and moving into this business. And, you know, and then it was, okay, well, let's close Underbelly and change it into George James and, you know, have Greg step into that role and 
you know, opening preserve and having Nick Wong come to town and, you know, Nick Gein moving into a culinary director and having Matt Stapp. So like all of these changes and then starting, I guess, in 2015, you know, having that crazy idea, like, Hey, my buddy was diagnosed with MS. Let's kind of raise some money for MS. And then that turned into a whole bigger thing of a hospitality relief foundation, which was probably one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me personally. It's incredible how well the foundation has done. Southern Smoke Foundation has contributed to improving so many lives, and not even just in Houston. Y'all did gangbusters with the Chicago Fund. Yeah, Chicago and nationally. And, you know, there's been a lot of things that, like, I've wanted for so long and have the team around that the very beginning, it was just like Lindsay and myself, like, hey, what's up? (laughs) We're going to throw a party raise some money and then it became Catherine Lott came in as the executive director you know we had like 1.5 employees in 2020 and then we went to 40 and now seeing where we're at you know we have 14 or 15 full-time employees but you know since 2015 being able to grant out over 9.2 million dollars is not something that I ever thought would be able to be done and then also you know and I think in 2020 was probably one of the greatest things for me personally was to be able to provide free mental health care for everybody in the hospitality and their kids in the state of Texas that is something big for me is now we've tasked our team with trying to take that out on national level we're working so diligently to get that done as well. So it's like trying to make a change in our industry for the best and making sure that there's a safety net. It's not something that I ever thought that I would be able to do, but it's just putting yourself around the right people and, and tasking everybody with you know their challenges to, to get things done. And, and that's a very good reminder that that mental health help is out there for hospitality employees. It's a yep. very challenging industry to work in sometimes. You know, I had somebody reach out to me yesterday and I, I did a, a lecture for Mental Health America uh, about three years ago. And that's really when this started was like wanting to get this program together. And their therapist was there and they were like, they remember you talking about it because I don't think people really understand that like this industry doesn't have like somewhere to go, right? Because at night you get done at 11, 12, and then you're juiced up for hours. And like, like people don't really understand that, that like at three in the morning, that's kind of a, you know, a tough place to be just sitting in your apartment or your house. It's like looking around, like, what am I supposed to do now? Like having somebody to talk to is a big, important, you know, is a really important thing for me. Yeah. It's, you know, it's I, so I, important. I, I have an appointment with my therapist on, you know, Mondays where we just talk, you know, it's, it's good to have somebody that doesn't really understand that, that will listen to your world and help you kind of look at it from an outsider's view. And I think that's really important. And thanks for saying that too, because taking the stigma off of, it's okay to talk to somebody. It's okay to ask for help. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes it's not even really help. It's just having the conversation because a lot of times you can have the conversation with like your peers or your friends or whatever. And, and it's not quite the same because they're just going to tell you what you want to hear for the most part. And sometimes, you know, like I, I, I'll be the first one that had a stigma against us. Like, I don't need to talk to you, but I'm cool. I'm good. No problems. And then it was like, once I started, it was like, just little things like, hey, you should get a red notebook. Why do I need to get a red notebook? That's just because it's your dream book. And those are fire engine red, and that's your dream book. And you're just going to write things down in that. And it's only going to be for you. And it's like, sweet. I wouldn't have done that for myself if somebody, you know, like my friend would have told me that. But like somebody telling me, like, these are things you just need to write down in your world. I mean, it's sitting right in front of me, actually, right now. And so I don't think there needs to be a stigma attached with it. 
ever. We got to grow up, right? And we have to take care of ourselves. And it starts with internally. And just admit, hey, you know, none of us are superhumans. And, you know, we'd like to pretend to be. And I think especially when you're a leader and you're a business owner, I think there might be some additional pressure that, you know, you're you're supposed to, you know, be tough all the time and, and be perfect all the time. And that's not reality. That's not the way things really work. No. No. I mean, everybody needs to talk to somebody at some point, right? I think Absolutely. it's a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the idea of a, a red journal or a red notebook as a dream book. That's such a great tip. Yeah. I mean, and, and like Victoria, who's around me all the time, she's like, where's your red notebook at? I was like, it's in the car. Go get it. Go get it. It's like, it just, I keep it around me. So it's just like, I was thinking about this dish. Well, don't forget that. I was thinking about maybe this restaurant would be better if it was like this. I was thinking about maybe this person needs to do this. And like, so it's always just writing things down and just like I can tell Victoria has been a great radar, right arm person for you because I know she's she's helped a lot as far as keeping keeping things organized and yep. all of that. So uh, that's great. And Absolutely, you've got, you've got some great people, and that's certainly key to being able to grow your business. Yeah, and, you so, know that's also one of the reasons. Like as we grow, and the people that have been around us, you know, they need to grow. So let's figure out what that is and do it and i think that's why we look at restaurants a little bit differently and that's why we start to change things because like we have the staff that needs to to spread their wings and like okay well what do you what do you really want to do because you've got so many projects in transition right Mm -hmm. now i thought we'd just kind of go through the the concepts sequentially and just kind of talk about you know you basically past present and future yeah. So what do we talk about? First of all, let's talk about the hay merchant, which, mm-hmm. of course, uh, it was established as an incredible beer bar with many, many taps. Yep. Uh, and you're going to open another bar, but it's not going to be another beer bar like that. No. Towards the end with the hay merchant, what were you seeing as far as, you know, where craft beer is now and that kind of a bar? So when we open, I mean, Hay Merchant's our oldest concept, right? And so it's over 10 years. It's, it'll be 11 this year, actually. Um, so 10 years, and you think about what happens in 10 years. And when we first opened Hay Merchant, probably for the first five or six years, what Hay Merchant did for the craft beer community, and I think a lot of bars like that, really kind of helped elevate what craft beer looked like, right? Because even back then when we opened it, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, like I, don't, I was confused. Like seeing it and going in and tasting it and like trying all these new things. I was like, wow, I didn't know this could happen. And, you know, at that point in time, you know, we had a, a retail license just because we were only beer and wine so we could sell beer, right? And so people could come in and buy a keg or buy bottles. Let's just take Pumpkinator, right? At that point in time, we would get a 10 case allocation, right? And so we would sell one or two beers to everybody. And there would be a line, you know, be like, we're going to open at three. Well, at, at you know, 10 a.m., there's a line that starts to form for these things. And then all, all of the people that collect craft beer would, you know, stand up in line and then come in and get their beer very orderly and then either open it and taste it or go on, right? Well, as craft beer has found its, its, its stride, I would say, all of those things now that were so hard to get are every day. Right, you can walk into HEB and look at the beer selections. You know what? Once we would get a ten case or a five case allocation of, or one keg allocation, is now a floor stack. 
you know, at, at your grocery stores or, or a Specs or Total Wine or wherever, right? Um, and so that community has grown itself. And so what was a kind of a niche thing for us really kind of dropped off. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So it's a little, the, it's the, less precious. It's, it's less precious. It nowadays. really is. It's become mainstay. It's become a normal thing. It's because you can walk into and see like, I remember when canned beer was like, oh no, you know, if you're a craft beer and you're going in a can, you're just, I mean, there's no difference <laughs> in that and like the mass produced. And now everybody's in cans. Right. 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 Because we realize, hey, it's better than bottles. <laughs> and so it, it, it evolves, right? And so um, that that community has changed dramatically. You know, the bottle shares and things like that, that doesn't really happen as much because everybody has access to it. And that's what happened was accessibility to craft beer, which is great, right? But it definitely changes the outlook of a establishment that deals in that. So I remember when the Hay Merchant first opened, it was not that there were there were you know run-of-the-mill type of restaurants that they might have a couple of craft beers on tap but they were still like bud light and whatever and now it's like if you open any bar or restaurant and you don't have some craft beers on tap who are you anyway yeah right <laughs> what are you even doing Right. What are you doing? <laughs> we can't even take you seriously. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, to have 80 of them on tap is a lot. That's um, a lot and, of beers. And that's good, you know? And so I learned a lot about beer, but like, it was also at some point, like, let's make sure that we understand that this is a restaurant, right? It's a restaurant that has beer. Did, and hopefully I'm not touching on a sore spot, but did, did Kevin Floyd's departure, did that maybe also kind of change the guardianship of, of the Hay Merchant concept. Yeah, of course. I mean, that was his passion. And, and you know, not minus food, right? And and so understanding, like, where we were going with that, like, always knowing that there was going to be a change at, at this point, right? And that was really what it was. It was like, we're going to have, I want to, because I think we, you know me well enough that I love change. Um and so, like, I was wanting, I, I was going to change this anyway. And so it just made sense that when we were leaving, it was like, okay, that was one of the, the aspects of that. It makes sense. And the scene really has changed so much in, in yeah, the last decade. Like, those craft beer folks that come in, we used to come in, they don't come in as much. What? Well, let me make sure my understanding is correct. My understanding yeah. is the overall reason to move Georgia James out of that current building is because there's a maintenance situation. No, I mean, that, that was going to be part of it, right? Is that we're going to need to replace a bunch of stuff. We're going to need, it's a 10 year old building. It needs some upkeep, right? And I'm going to have to, you know, that was part of the concept was wanting to change Hay Merchant. And so like all of it just kind of fell into line. It was going to be a large, I mean, not so much a maintenance issue. There's nothing really wrong with the building. The bones are great. Um, it, it's just like there was going to be a lot of changes that we're going to have to do. And, and so when the real estate opportunity came up for me to move it, it was like, yeah, let's just, let's go that way. You know? Okay. And so let's, you know, and, and every time I walk into uh, George James, I look at it and it's still underbelly to me. Right? <laughs> it, 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 I look at it and I don't know, you know, you could put as much work into it, but I'm just going to see underbelly. Yeah. And yeah. so, if if we're gonna have a pretty new steakhouse, let's 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 honor my mom and dad and give them their just due, right? Let's give them a, a 
a big, beautiful space. And so mm-hmm. we have the ability to do that. So it just made sense to make that decision. I'm going to circle back around and talk a lot more about Georgia James in a moment. The Hay Merchant closes on December 23rd, and that's also the day that Georgia James will close to relocate Uh, um, temporarily. Uh, Georgia James will go middle of January. Middle of January. Okay, good. Probably late January. Okay, thanks for clarifying that for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's confusing. Um, there's a lot of weird. There's a lot there. of moving parts. <laughs> there is, and, and a lot of it's going to be in flux too, just because we're talking about um, construction and you know things like that. Yeah. Now the other place that will be closing around the same time as Hay Merchant, and I think this one surprised people, is going to be UB Preserve. Yeah. What led to that decision? I know that Chef Nick Wong, he has a lot of fans of what he's doing. So what led to the decision to go ahead and close UB Preserve? You know, we've been talking about it for about six months, right? Uh, Just kind of like, what are we preserving, right? We we clearly state on all of our websites that Underbelly is closed and it's a way of life, right? The restaurant itself is closed, but Underbelly is is understanding people and cultures and learning and and teaching and having conversations and that that part of the aspect of the restaurant isn't there, but we're still preserving it and preserved. And so I, to me, it was, you know, you walk in that restaurant, it's got a little, bunch of underbelly stuff in there. And, and when Nick came in, that was something that we needed to do. And I want to, you know, he tasked him with that. Right. And, and he's done that. And so it was like, I want to give you something that you can have, right? Like, let's figure what out what that is. And, we talked about a name change. We had talked about redesigning the interiors. We talked about doing a lot of things. Um, and, and when uh, the opportunity at Tavern opened up, it was like, well, what do you think about moving down there? You know, because that building itself is, is, is kind of challenging, right? It's in the little end of a strip center. So you can't really see it sometimes. And, you know, um, it's a fun little building. And Nick loves those kind of weird little buildings and, you know, and, and because it is small, um, you know, during COVID, it was really hard because it's like, Ooh, the ceilings are low. Ooh, you know, this is, you know, it's a tight spot. Like, you know, we built a little patio for it. We did everything we possibly could. And so just, you know, coming back from where we're at in society and where we're at in life has been a challenge. Right. Um, and, and I've always, you know, again, let's give you something really good to work with and uh see where you go and you know the conversation we had nick and i had the other day was he's like i don't i feel like i have to do a different style of food and i'm having a hard time like getting out of my wheelhouse and i was like i would never ask you to do that i would never ask you to step outside your wheelhouse that's not what i want i want you to cook your food and i think the tavern is a perfect place to do that in fact so much that at preserve you're still preserving underbelly and so let's get you out of that and let you be who you're going to be and yeah. so that's you know that's to me was the, the decision on that yeah and it my perception is that uh nick has a strong culinary viewpoint mm-hmm. and uh, him going over to georgia james tavern it's going to bring that viewpoint with him and it's probably going to just make that identity stronger i agree with you i do agree with you you know because you're kind of in a box, right? He was at preserve because it is preserving the, the, the story of Houston, right? Well, we've told that story. Everybody knows that story. And so Nick was, 
in the process of just focusing on the future of Houston. And now you can do that. You can do whatever you want at the, at the tavern. And that's the thing I think that it kind of frees you up to, to be able to cook your food or his food. Like he can cook whatever he feels like and not really be stuck into that. And if he wants to do a rice salad or if he wants to do something like that, it doesn't matter. He can, you know, but if he wants to do something like classically French, you can do that too. I don't care. Right. It just gives you the opportunity to be able to do that. So that almost makes it into kind of the new fun experimental place. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, we, you know, we sat and had coffee at the house. He was like, it's like the carpaccio that's on the menu right now. Right. It's an Italian dish <laughs> that has like a Japanese influence that has flavors of Western Africa. Right. <laughs> so it's like understanding all of these things. He's like, does that even translate? And I was like, I don't think you have to really tell the story so much. It's just going to be delicious. And so that's the story in its own. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so like, if you continue to do food like that, that's just intelligent, right? That's just really smart food. Um, and it works no matter where you're at. And so that's why, you know, don't change what you don't change your wheelhouse, right? Change yeah. the house. Yes. I mean, the last time I was there, I parked at the bar, I, got a cocktail and an order of the uh, the boudin dumplings and mm-hmm. you know who would have thought of that and that's been a really popular successful dish yeah yep. and that all came from like sitting at uh one dragon down on bel-air and like having this red rice shumai and like he and i sitting there and i was like boudin and it was before he even moved here and he's like what is that and I was like, oh, shit, here we go. I was like, okay, I'm going to sew you boot in. And then when he tried it, he was like, yeah, that makes sense. And then, you know, his philosophy in cooking just really became really smart. Like, walk, you know, he did his collard greens at a walk, and they took 30 seconds when everybody else is making collard greens that take four hours, right? So, and I would put his up against anybody else. He just has a, he's a really good cook. So, like, let you open your wheelbox and let you open your house, and let's see where we go from there. So, from UB Preserve... We'll walk down the street and let's talk about one fifth as it's mm-hmm. coming to the the end of its tenure. Yep. So um, it's going to become the temporary home for Georgia James in mid January. Yep. Then what? Um, then it just goes away. Um, so, like as as far as um, what's happening with it right now is that a lot of the equipment, a lot of the things, and the people, and so you know whatever we have. Uh, that is going to um, transition to wild oats uh, for those that want to venture on up there um, as far as staff wise goes. Uh, it is a wild oats is a fresh, clean take look on Texas cuisine, right? And I know that a lot of people do that style of food, um, not to say it's done differently, but I think we want to dive deeper into it. You know, I, I think the conversation is, is we just talked to somebody about it this morning is that. You know, with Underbelly, we took a deep dive into the city of Houston, right? Um, And I think this is an easy way to translate this, is that now it's time to take a deep dive into Texas and and reformulate that and bring it to what it is, right? So we can start talking about the the cuisines of El Paso and the Czech cuisines and the Gulf Coast cuisines and the Cattle Drive cuisines and really start to focus on those and do those foods that are really delicious um, in that manner. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. When, when do you think one, well, well, one one fifth as Georgia James? When do you think that's wrapping up? One fifth as Georgia James. When do I think that's going to wrap up? 
when does yeah. Georgia James move into its new home? Yes. Um, you know, that's a good question. March. I mean, that was, we had everything planned, um, for the end of January. And so the timeline on that was really kind of set and, you know, and then we get pushed because of construction and what have you. So it just made sense that it's hard to absorb all the staff from Georgia James. So this was more of, this is a way for us to keep our team together and just moving them down and kind of finishing out in that building that we started that concept with. So it could be two months, two, three months, just depending. We just want to make sure that uh, when we move, the building is right. It's perfect. It's beautiful. It's ready to go. And then that, at that point. So that's kind of the influx one, right? Yeah. Yeah. That one's dependent on the Regent Square space becoming available. It's so, it's just, it's just bizarre to me that it's like at that point, you will have vacated Westheimer pretty much except for the bar, <laughs> except except for the bar that uh, yeah. UB Preserve will turn into. So I, I guess we better we better talk about that. Now, Weston Gallimore, of course, he's been your beverage director for a long time. Yeah. And yeah. the the new bar Everlong, uh, which I love that song, too, uh, by the Foo Fighters. And let's be very clear. A lot of people are like, it's going to be a Foo Fighters theme bar. It is not. No. <laughs> I just love them, and I love that song. But it is not going to be a rock and roll kind of bar. No. No. I just, but it... um, and that's been the perception from a lot of people. Is like, so you're just going to play the Foo Fighters all the time? It's like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> like, I don't think everybody wants to hear that. So it's, it's just going to be this fun, loving bar that has good food something relaxing you know and and it's it's a bar that i'm going to want to go to and and that's the thing it gives it, it, it because like you know i live down the street and so like taking everything off of west was really hard um but it, it's like having that one little spot for um you know that that, that place is built for a bar right it's got a killer bar already it's got a little side room we're going to work on some design things with it and then just having a food program that's minimal but delicious right and that's what i want sometimes is i want to go get a good drink or a bottle of wine and get some really delicious food but it is a bar yeah and and that's where some of the elements from the hay merchant will reappear the korean grit braised goat and dumplings the mafaletta uh it's getting a, a, a new burger because the cease and desist burger is basically going over to Underbelly Burger yep. at the farmer's market, the Houston farmer's market. Yep. But I'm intrigued by this 80s and 90s flair <laughs> cocktail <laughs> menu. Uh, yeah. I've been waiting for, I knew this was coming. I don't know. I didn't know who was going to do it, but I knew this was coming because <laughs> I was actually talking to someone a couple of months ago. I was like, you know, mojitos. Those are actually really good. That's a good drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, just take the espresso martini, right? Right. I, I sit and watch at the end of the night at Georgia James, and it's like the wait staff has to get involved in the, the shaking of martini because we sell so many of them, and you start to see those kind of calls coming back and back and back. And so, like, let's let's celebrate that. Just looking at Weston's, you know, he's already written the cocktail list. It was so fast. He was like. Here's the drinks, boom, and it's like, oh wow, you're you're pretty fast on that. Like, um, so Every, yeah, it's kind of everything exciting. comes back around in time, and it's time. 
<laughs> yeah, it is. You know, and even to the fact like we talked about putting a jukebox in and, you know, kind of focusing on CDs, like it's it's it should be entertaining. You know, that's it will be entertaining out of everything I should say. But I'm going to be super curious about the Long Island iced tea because that's just such the it it in my youth at least that was such a dangerous drink. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and I'm a big fan of Long Island iced teas. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I may have done Long Island iced tea races. Oh my god! <laughs> well, yeah, they're not we'll... the smartest point in my my life, but we've done it. But, I, yeah, I, I, I miss that... the the days when I could still handle that. <laughs> What's the shot that we did with Ashley? Mind yeah, mind erasers, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, those were the days, <laughs> and those days are <laughs> coming you know, back. You still can't be the day. That's the best part. <laughs> Go relive my my misbegotten youth over at Everlong, and and that's great that it's going to have a curated food menu, so there will be little bites to to eat alongside these notorious drinks. I guess let's hop over to the the Houston Farmers Market. You'd mentioned the food concept at Wild Oats that it's going to be more about focusing on the food of Texas. What does Chef Nick Fine bring to the table? What's his culinary vision like? I mean, that's just, Nick is uh, all Texas all the time, you know, and and that was kind of the whole concept is that like when he, you know, he traveled and did a bunch of things, but he came back so wild oats. And so, uh, you know, he's deep diving into Texas's, deep as I've ever seen anybody deep dive. Um, and so it's, it's really cool to see his vision and, and like, you know, to have somebody. And that's the thing is when we start talking about when people are passionate about something, let's build it around that, you know, even like with Lucas at, uh, at Everlong, he's like, I just want to cook some really delicious food without having a label built on it. It's like, okay, well, that's what that is now. Right. That's, that's where we're at. And so, I think I've already seen 60 versions of a menu <laughs> for this place. And so uh, it, it's really, it's really beautiful. So, um, you know, he's got to, he's got to land on just one at some point soon. <laughs> yeah, we will. We will for sure. But it's, you know, like re-envisioning what chicken fried steak looks like, you know, but it's still being what it's supposed to be. Right. And, and, you know, the story behind it and, you know, looking at quail from a hunter's eye, Right. And so, uh, you know, even queso, it's, it's, I think it's going to be one of those places that's just going to be fun to be at. Right. Quail from a hunter's eye. That sounds intriguing. Like what's, what does that perspective mean? So, you know, traditionally when quail hunters are like stuffing it with jalapenos and cream cheese, wrapping it bacon and then, you know, grilling it. Well, this is, uh, kind of like a, a whipped cream cheese with a jalapeno cornbread and little pickle fried jalapenos on top and bacon wrapping the quail. And it's, I had one the other day and it was freaking delicious, you know? And so it sounds you know, it's amazing. Those kind of, yeah. It's taking those things that are traditional, but putting, shaking it up and putting it on its side a little bit. Oh my gosh. It sounds delicious. And it's interesting to me because other than Rainbow Lodge, there aren't really a lot of restaurants that deal with wild game at all. They don't offer yeah. it on the menu. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, we'll have a fair share. And that's one of his things. Like, I remember him talking about a restaurant. We walk in and there's like a deer head on it. He's like, that deer isn't even in Texas. It's like, why do you have that? And so it's, it's kind of funny. Like, <laughs> 
Oh, that so sounds... putting that passion of this state into, you know, a cuisine and understanding how many different types of cuisine there are in this, in this state is, um, you know, it gives you the ability to, I think when people just start talking about, well, this is Texas cuisine. They talk about like, I don't know, chicken fried everything. Right. But understanding sure. where that came from is yeah. probably the better idea. Yeah. That's just it's one, know, one more misconception about Texas that, you know, yeah, it's we, we, we no, deep fry no, everything. No, not really. There's a little bit of that, but there's so much more to it, right? I can envision your your next cookbook is your Texas cookbook. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> that I think it would be well received. Yeah. And uh, you can get uh, Chef Fine to help you with that. Yeah. And then there's... Idea. The burger stand, Underbelly Burger, and and, mm-hmm. I, and am I kind of phrasing it right? Because my understanding, this is this is just it's really kind of a small, casual pick up your burger, take it to a table, kind yep. of place. Yep, there's uh, I think 14 seats inside, and then the big green space outside of it, and it's going to be right next to RC Ranch, so uh, local Wagyu, and that was one of the things that we wanted to do is we wanted to kind of showcase, um, you know, it's it's. We're not doing commodity beef. You can come in and you can get RC Ranch Wagyu or you can get 44 Farms Angus. Um, and then uh, it's it's a kind of a double patty, kind of the same thing that we do with the cease and desist burger. Um, then we'll be doing a chicken sandwich, a bacon sausage, hot dog, uh, a salad, a veggie uh, burger type thing, um, and then fries and drinks. That's it. That sounds really so, great. It's it's going to be lovely for people who are shopping at the Houston Farmers yeah. Market to be able to, you know, they're hungry, they just want to swing by and, you know, grab a burger and some fries and, you know, just, you know, get that get that hunger taken care of and then go back to shopping. Yeah, you know, and it's one of those things like that burger is just so, so delicious. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> like, because it's, it's, you know, even being a double, it's two little three-ounce patties that are, you know, not smashed. They're still just, like, juicy and moist. And it doesn't, you know, you don't have to dislocate your jaw, jaw to eat it. It's manageable. You don't feel guilty when you're done. It's just that perfect size, you know. And, and my wife and I argue about this all the time because she's like, I'm a single patty person. And I'm like, nah, because you got to have the double patty, double cheese ratio that makes it a perfect thing. Yeah, you got to have the uh, the surface area of the patty to get the crispy brown edges, and yep. yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm in I'm in your camp on on that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> although like I don't know, there is something to be said about a big, thick, luscious burger patty too. There it's, is, you know, yeah. there's definitely two styles of of the burger, right? And and uh, depending on what camp you're in, but I think you can love all burgers. It's like fried chicken. Or pizza. Is it really bad fried chicken? Even if really bad, it's still pretty good. <laughs> the only bad fried chicken is if it's not cooked all the way through. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah that's a, that's a, so. We can go and, with pizza on that one. How about that? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Both wild oats and, you know, nothing's ever carved in stone because everything's uh-huh. a moving target with licensing and construction and supply chain issues and sourcing. Yeah. But hopefully... Wild Oats and Underbelly Burger will both be open at some point in January. Is that still? Uh, UB Burger could be open in December, actually. Ooh. Yeah, we're not too far off. All right. Kitchen equipment's already in. They're finishing up the tile work. Um, We should be able to go start training there here pretty quickly. Fantastic. You heard it here first. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's true. 
Very good. And let's go over now to Regent Square. Yeah. And there is a brand new recently announced concept that has grown out of the current concept at one fifth yep. called, and am I pronouncing it correctly? Pastore. Yep. Pastore. And that will be your red sauce Italian restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. It was one of these things that when we, we started talking about it, I was like, I just love that style of food. It's everybody does, right? You grew up with it. You grew up with spaghetti and meatballs. You grew up with lasagna. You grew up with chicken farm. You grew up with just a pizza and some ravioli. Like you, everybody grew up with that. I, I make and that so, stuff at home. <laughs> let's celebrate. It. I let's love that stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, look at, I mean, look at Carabas. Look at the the style of restaurants that do that. They're just like iconic to everybody, right? And and so, I, I just I found myself really eating that style of food a lot, especially during pandemic. Come on. Who didn't make pasta all the freaking time? Right? I, I have lockdown. 15 extra pounds to prove it. Oh, yeah. Pasta, <laughs> pizza, sauces, let's go. Um, and so, you know, we, we started doing that, and it was one of these things, like, that was the cuisine that just made sense. And so when we did one-fifth, when we started with it, it was like, this is fun. You know, this is delicious. So let's let's give it its world. Let's give it a home. Is Matthew Pridgen going to do the wine list for that? Yeah, yeah. That he, sounds like the... like this fun wine list to do. You know, the the red wines to go with the red sauces. Yep. That sounds like a blast. Heck yeah, and, it does. Uh, okay, awesome. And then that kind of brings us back around to Georgia James opening in regent square how how big is the new restaurant going to be almost nine thousand square feet wow okay yep uh, between upstairs and downstairs so we'll, we're, we we will have um uh a upstairs kind of loungy patio indoor space which is yet to be really named i think i might name it the george james parlor but i don't really know yet but yeah, couches and, and, you know, place to sit back and have cocktails and wine and relax and maybe a bite to eat or something, but more just kind of the drinking atmosphere, the pre-gaming or post-game dinner, you know. That's an interesting word, too. There's definitely a cultural nuance to parlor instead of living room. Mm -hmm. it's, a different, it's a different kind of feeling. You know, it, it's been, you know, what's the right name for that, so hideaway which we put into <laughs> um you know it ever long but it, it's um you know it's that place you want to go sit and relax and have a good cocktail like that's right there in that area you know you've got so many you know units coming into that area and, you know place nice little place to have drinks is the you... menu going for georgia james going to be different for the new place uh, no, it'll pretty much, I mean, we'll just transfer a lot of those things over. There's some new stuff that they're working on, but for the most part, still cast iron sear steaks and um, seafood towers and, you know, slab salads. And awful sides and working with our local ranchers and farmers. So. And I assume, you know, are you, you still really into whiskey and bourbon? Is there going to oh, be yeah. a big presence there at, at Georgia James of a really nice list of those? Uh, absolutely. 
what uh what's your favorite what like which ones are you into right now i think um well like if you were to ask me today um you've been working with uh eighth wonder spirits to uh create a southern smoke bourbon which we're buying barrels out of kentucky and um and, and a little bit in Indiana I'm doing some blending and, and we have put together something that'll be available pretty soon. But I got one of the first bottles the other day and it was absolutely stunning, but it's a hundred oh proof bourbon, five years old. Um, and, and you know, the thing is that like $2 of every bottle is going to be going back to Southern smoke. So it's called hammer down. Oh, that's great. I, it's I so good too. I can't wait to try it myself. And that's really neat that you're partnering with the eighth wonder guys. Yeah. You know, it was like, hey, you guys want to do something uh, crazy? And they're like, yeah. And so we started working on it. And, uh, now it's, it'll be in full production here pretty quickly. I think that's all they want to do. They only want to do things that are crazy. Yeah, <laughs> Is and it crazy? We want to do it. <laughs> yeah, they're such good people. And so yeah. you know, they have their heart into this as well. And it's not just something that they're like, yeah, we can do it. But it's like they believe in it and they have their, their heart and focus onto it. So. You know, when the whole team can look at something and do it together, that's what makes sense. So. Yeah, they are. They are so much fun. Good guys. Uh, so uh, to wrap this up, is there anything that we did not, I know we touched on a lot, but is there anything we did not cover that you would like for our listeners to know? No, I think, we, I think we've done it. You know, I think that, uh, you know, the conversation always goes back to, you know, what happens when, you step out of the kitchen and how do you do that? And I think that that is something that's, um, it's good for people to understand that like, you know, we have people in places and doing their jobs and learning what we're supposed to do. And, you know, now it's not my job to so much cook anymore, but to mentor and, and help people along their way in life and to help them reach their goals. Absolutely. And that's, that's how you grow a business. Yep. Indeed. Chef, thank you so much for spending this time with me and going through all the concepts. I wish you all the luck as thank you get you. things closed and moved and, and opened again. And I look forward to seeing every single one of them. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see you again. So thank uh, you so much for having me today. I appreciate you. Can't wait to see you too. And, uh, you know, give uh, Uber PR person and your wife, Lindsay Brown, a big hug from me. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Lo. We'll talk to you soon, all right? Sounds great. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Support for Houston Restaurant News today comes from DR Delicacy. Give food lovers in your life the ingredients of their dreams for the holidays. DR Delicacy offers fine gourmet products from around the world, including fresh truffles, caviar, fresh and dry mushrooms, fine cuts of meat, and much more. DR Delicacy is in Houston, but also offers online ordering and shipping across the nation. Visit drdelicacy.com for details and to order, or if you're local to Houston, visit the storefront at 4120 Directors Row from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. weekdays or on Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m.